0: All right, let me read from the text that we've been reading from the last seven, eight weeks. We're going to close up our series on life together this afternoon. And they devoted themselves. These thousands that got saved on that first day of Pentecost, um, plus the 120. So about 3,120 in that first gathering, in that first week. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, I'll tell you two little stories that happened yesterday. They were just wonderful. They're about neighborly love. And so uh, strange people are moving south of us. They've bought the house next to us, and they're doing it up, and they're working there. The Thornburgs is wonderful. And uh, Ruby ha- just has wandered in fairly regularly into our home and just hangs around and watches this. And we sat down to lunch, and she just sat down and said, do you want to eat? Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it, just, it was like, oh, it's so natural. It just felt that's how it's supposed to be. But the best was this. We were standing at the back of the, at the, back of the garden behind, like, our, our main shed. And Linda and I were standing there through a part of the fence that has no hedge. And uh, Heidi and Betsy, Heidi's mom, who's on helping on kids' ministry, was there with Ruby. And we were talking. Axel wasn't there. And the next moment, Axel ran up and he saw us. And he threw out his hands and he said, my neighbors. And I just thought, oh, that's how it's meant to be. It was just wonderful. And so we're looking forward to that. But that, it kind of speaks about that issue of life together. And um, Mike touched on something as he began the meeting, and something we spoke about at Home Group on Thursday, is this idea is that it is possible for us to have life together. It is possible for us to have community and eat together and have fun together and do events together and have nice wine and all those things, but actually not have Jesus at the center. And actually, the community that we have is centered, focused, founded, linked to the person of Jesus. Otherwise, we're just another club, another group of people gathering to do something. When we gather, we want to see ourselves as, yes, we are enjoying one another. And yes, we are enjoying fine food. And yes, we are enjoying all those things. But we are together because of Jesus. And it's, I think it's important that we remember that because it's easy to just let it slip. And to, it would be interesting if we could tape our conversations at any gathering, not like this, just we gather in our backyard and we tape all the conversations and one how much of that is centered around the person of Jesus. I'm not saying it all has to be. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, is there anything of Jesus' life as we speak that comes out? Uh, I think that would be a really important thing. And as we read this text, there's some practices in here that we've been doing that help us to remember that what we do is about Jesus. The one is the breaking of bread. It's hard to do communion and not remember Jesus. And so, whenever we do that, it's our reminder. It's our moment to stop, reflect, think back, consider what Jesus said. Ah, this is about Jesus. The reason we are here today is about Jesus. I'm sure. Most of you could think you'd rather be doing something else. Maybe it's like you're hot. It's, a, it's been a busy weekend. I think of Tyler, he's been chopping wood and doing all sorts of things. I'm thinking maybe you'd just like to be at home with an apple cider or watching MMA. You know? Or playing. <laughs> you know? Maybe. Um, whatever it is. But actually, we gather because there's a sense that Jesus asks his people. To remember together, to remember to come together as community, not because, oh, we're going to feel necessary when we walk out of here. That was the most astounding time we've had in ages. It is because of the change that happens in the spiritual atmosphere to the powers and the principalities, a demonstration that Jesus is alive and that his people are serving him. Does that make sense? It's really important because we don't leave every meeting feeling fantastic. Like, that was just super duper. Sometimes a meeting is quite boring, and it's okay. It's allowed to be boring sometimes, but each thing, each day, time is a step. Each time we gather around a table and a picnic as community, and we remember Jesus is another step of showing the world, showing the kingdom of darkness that God's people are alive, and they are wanting and desiring to live in obedience to him and his purposes. That's why it's important. So even if you leave here today and say that was the worst talk you've heard this Sunday, it's okay. We've gathered in Jesus' name. So there are three things I'd like to talk around that. Today's not a line-by-line teaching as we've been doing. It's more a sense of trying to pull out a series together and leave you with something. Um, I think it's important to see that when we talk about community, we are talking about a community. That's centered around this idea of grace and love. It's not a judgmental community. It, it, well, it's not meant to be. I'm sure there are times we have been judgmental. There are times where we have not done what Jesus wanted us to do. But a community is meant. The community of Jesus is meant a place where there's grace flowing and there's love extended at all places. It's supposed to be this place of safety. You're supposed to be able to walk in and. Be in the worst shape of your life and be loved and cared for and have grace extended toward you that allows Jesus' love to flow. It's not meant to be a place about judgment. I was speaking to Betsy just a few minutes ago, and she, we were talking about something. She remembered when she was many years ago a guy from seminary came and asked her a question. What is the one distinctive mark that identifies us as Christians? And she started thinking, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, because that was an era. With, and he said, no, 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 it's the fact that we love one another. And was, She said it was like a, a, a shot to her senses. Oh, yeah. The thing that makes us God's people in our practices is the way that we love and the way that we extend grace toward one another. And the community is meant to be a community of grace and love. And we'll we'll cover some things about that in a moment. A place of safety, a place where we can learn to trust one another. Do we trust one another? You see, we faith, another way to speak about that word faith, it's not maybe the fullness, but it's this trust. We trust Jesus. The reason that we allowed Jesus in and we said we want to walk with you and we repented is that there's this idea of I trust you. I trust what you've said, I trust what you've done, I trust that you are for me, therefore I'm prepared to entrust my life to you, and you're going to place me in your family, and in that family, I have to learn to trust, to give trust and to receive trust, to give grace and to receive grace, to give mercy and to receive mercy, to give love and to receive love. Why? Because it's centered in on Jesus. If it's just a club, we don't have to do that. We can put up all our barriers and pretend and hide from one another. But in the community of faith, we are declaring our trust in Jesus, the, the head of the church, the head of community. And he's saying, no, I want you to learn to, learn to trust one another. And that's hard. Because you know why it's hard? Because we're human. If we were angels be great, but we're human. We haven't yet been fully transformed into the image of Jesus, and we'd be like him, shining, and every word would be perfect. No, we are human beings, but we are human beings that have chosen to follow Jesus in community, in a tribe of people, and what does that mean to grow in that? Um, And I'll cover again something in a moment. In that bit of learning to trust one another, it's learning to forgive. To me, one of the great—if uh, one of the great things that is, was kind of stark to me coming from South Africa to the United States—and I've seen it throughout—is the is the way that people hold offense. It wasn't that I'm not saying that nobody did that in South Africa, but it didn't feel like it was like that. It felt like here there was a, people held offense really quickly, and. And then forgiveness didn't come into play. People didn't want to do that. But actually in a community of grace and love, we have to learn to forgive. I mean, the disciples asked Jesus one time, how many times must we be forgive? Well, seven times, seven times, just infinite. We just keep forgiving. Because it's the way of Jesus. And if we want to be disciples of Jesus and call ourselves Christian, call ourselves disciples, followers of the way, then forgiveness needs to be a part of our armory, our arsenal. So in those moments when it feels all bad, rather than ripping out the spear, we rip out forgiveness, and we extend that. You know the story of um, when they arrest Jesus and Peter, holds out his sword, starts cutting off ears. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You missed the point. It's not about that. We're supposed to live different." So in this place of safety, in this community of grace and love and learning to trust one another, there's this idea, not the idea, this key moment of learning to forgive. It's really, really hard. When someone has hurt you, it's very hard to forgive. I mean, I have publicly said, yeah, I've prayed that God would kill people. I'm so glad he hasn't. But with that is that this idea, not only to give and receive forgiveness, But it's learn to be loved. Remember, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Learning to allow yourself to be loved. That's what happens in community. And it can be quite frightening. It can be quite exposing when you allow yourself to be loved. When you step out of yourself and you say, here I am, love me. We do that to Jesus, but Jesus translates that into his community. Because if he wants to love you, he's going to send someone Love is not this abstract thing that, you know, Jesus loves us, yes, and he's done these things. And now as we walk and we want to feel his love, he says, oh, I see the Carlos just a so desperate of need, of encouragement and a hug. Let me open the heavens and boom a voice. And his lips appear like in the beginning of Rocky Horror. And I love you. God. No, he'll send Brian to come give you a hug and say, man, brother, we love you. Because we have to learn to give and receive love in God's community, and that's hard, and we have to grow in that. Some of us have to grow in receiving. Some have to grow in loving. Some of us want to love certain people because that's easy, but we don't want to love other people because it's not that easy. There's some people that we easily gravitate towards, and there are those that we struggle to gravitate towards, but actually, if we're in community together, we have to learn to love and forgive and do those things, the whole gamut, because that is God's community. John 13. I love this verse because, you know, Jesus questioned what is the greatest commandment? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is exactly the same. Love your neighbor as yourself. I said, Great. But then he comes in John 13, verse uh, 34. And he says this, a new commandment I'm going to now give you. What? There were Ten. You've stripped, you put them down into two, and now you're telling me there's a new one? Yeah, here's the new one. New commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that interesting? This is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you are part of my family, for the love that you have for one another. You see, this is the interesting thing. When we call to love the Lord your God, it's like vertical. You can kind of do that by yourself and you think, oh, I'm doing it. Love your neighbor, it's kind of outside yourself. You love the guy, you take them some food, the poor, you love your neighbor. But actually, you call to love one another within. Because this was re- given to the disciples. You gotta, I've told you, you've got to love this, and you gotta, but I'm telling you, you've got to love one another. And actually, this is going to be the key hallmark of what it means to be my disciples, the love that we have for one another. I don't know. I've, I've walked with Jesus 36 years now, learned this 40 years. We've seen a lot of unloving. Some of it from us some of it to us, but actually the hallmark is that you would love one another, so this community, when we talk about this community of Jesus, it's quite a radical understanding, and um, I want to encourage you to that, I'm going to read something from a book that I've been reading, that is, I wish I'd been given this book 30 years ago, it wasn't written 30 years ago, but I wish it had been, and I'd been given it, because it would have helped me, and I'm not to replace the Bible in any way, but i want to read something from the chapter, some of you I've got, for some of you haven't got, I've got a few copies I want to give you, I want every family to kind of get one, Um, but it's from the chapter, Communities of Grace, and uh, it says, many of us understand grace as a theological position, and it is delightfully that undeserved, unending, unearned, unwavering grace is God's inexhaustible love and absolute acceptance of us coupled with his unabashed delight in us. Grace brings us wholehearted adoption into God's family and a new identity, new life, new power, new capacity and God's full protection. How do you like that? Isn't that beautiful? But grace is much more than a theological position. Grace is a community you enter because that's the place where God lives. Now, I want to read a verse from Romans chapter 5 quickly, just to give you an understanding of place. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you remember that verse? It's a very famous verse in the light of what Jesus has done. Therefore, since we have been justified, we've been put to rights by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him we have also act, uh, obtained by faith into this grace in which we stand. So it's not only just this theological idea of thing; it's the sp- space that you enter. We stand in the place of grace because of the peace that we have with Jesus. Later in Hebrews, I'll, I'll just quote it now. One reader says, "We have freedom to enter the throne room of grace." to obtain mercy. Hebrews 4. That whole context in Hebrews 4 is about um, being in, at rest with God, being in the place of peace with God. We enter the place of grace, but grace is more than a theological position. Grace is a community you enter because that's the place where God lives, and grace is also the power God provides for us to live there. The key for entering God's community of grace is humility. Humility is simply trusting God and others with me. If you encounter a definition of humility without the concept of healthy interdependency, the idea of trusting others, you have found a definition that is inadequate, does not function, and does not reflect the community of the Trinity. Humility is not only how you enter this community, it's how you live in it every day. Humility is trusting God and others. This is perhaps the most basic of all spiritual disciplines. We gained initial entry into the environment of grace by trusting God. Now we live our lives in God by trusting Him. When you trust God and others, you attract God's grace which is where divine power resides. It is the power of his grace. Therefore, if you ever hope to routinely nurture a community of grace in which you can live and work, you must learn to trust others with yourself. Humility is not codependency, but humility spawns an interdependency where those in the community routinely say, I need others to get healthy. Without others, I cannot get well. I cannot mature. And I can do all of this without losing my identity and unique temperament. In fact, it is in this community that my personality and strengths can reach their full expression. Why? Because there's a freedom. In our relationships and community, we are continually learning this basic truth. It is messy, sometimes inefficient, but wonderful. In our community, we are on a lifelong pursuit of trusting others with how they see our weaknesses and limitations. We let them protect us from what we are unable to see or be. Don't you like that? Let me read that again. We let them protect us from what we are unable to see and be. The blind spots, the things we don't see. Sometimes we do it well, and sometimes we mess it up. But we know this is the bedrock of a community of grace. We are not going back to the old ways. Communities of grace open the door to gaining permission to share truth among fellow believers. We are back to the principle of receiving love. In the community of grace, I cannot receive love apart from humility. And without experience love, I cannot get healthy. Isn't that powerful? Community of grace. Simple. Allowing yourself to be loved and allowing yourself to love others and to receive, to give this giving and receiving of life and forgiveness. Doing it in the spirit of humility, which is, I can't do this by myself. So this community that we're talking about, this community centered around Jesus is a community of grace and a community of love. We've spoken about that. Second thing, just briefly, is this. We want this community to be, to be the place, and this, Mike brought this up at Home Group on Thursday, and I love the way he brought it up, where God's will is done among us as it is in heaven. God's community, our community, this space, is where God's will is done as it is in heaven. So when we pray, you know, the Lord's Prayer, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can pray. Your will be done in Mercy Town as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the Tuesday and the Thursday home group as it is in heaven. Your will be done, Jesus, in my home with my family as it is in heaven. That's a prayer we can pray. Because when we pray that, we are we are there's that sense of involving God the, a triune God, the, the God of the heavens, into our life. Your will be done, your kingdom come in my family, in my community, as it is in heaven. So as we talk about community, they're saying, What is what is it that what does it mean to see God's will be done in our community? And Some of it, some that we've spoken about already, plus many other things. God, your will be done. Your will be done. Now we've got to go to research. What is God's will? We're not going to talk about that today. We don't have time. So firstly, we spoke about the Jesus community. This, this community centered around Jesus is one where there's grace and love. Number two, it's a place where the will of God can be done. Earth as it is in heaven. And it's a place, thirdly, a community where we can learn to obey Jesus together. What does it mean to obey Jesus together? You know, the Great Commission, go and make, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we have to look, what is it that Jesus is asking of us? What are we, when he says, these are, these are the ones who love me are the ones who obey me. What does that mean as community? How do we obey Jesus together? We have to discover that. If we look at that text in Acts 2, we'll see some of that playing out. There were no needy among them. They were responding with obedience to care for those who were less fortunate, etc., etc. It's a beautiful thing, community. And as we've gone through this text, which is this this beautiful text, we can't go back to Acts 2. We can't go back to the year 30, 33 AD, whatever it is. We live in a different time, different era, different demands, different everything. But what can we learn from that that can help us today? So we are learning that we need to center around Jesus. We are learning that we need to remember the death and resurrection. If Jesus was saying that Right before it, was, it happened, he was already thinking that a time is coming when that might get diluted and people would forget. So, no, let's have this practice of breaking of bread, this practice of the Lord's Supper to remind us that Jesus is at the center. That's what we're going to do in a little while. That's what we're going to do, we do in our home groups. Hopefully we're doing that in our homes. It's always this reminder that Jesus is at the center of what we do. Um, John Seventeen. You know, I just realised I stepped into your spot. You, you, you're on roll. Go for it. <laughs> I apologise profusely. You know, in our new uh, order of of events, that after the worship, the host gets back up and does announcements and reads the scripture for the day, and I just stepped into that space. I so apologise, Mike. Should we do it again? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do another talk. No. <laughs> As I got to John 7, I suddenly thought, oh, wait a minute. We didn't have the reading. I apologize. I'm so used to my old ways, so I'm trying to learn new ways. So, will you forgive me? Okay, I, I receive forgiveness. Um, John 17 verse from verse 20. I do not ask for these only. This is the high priestly prayer that Jesus is praying before his uh, death. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Don't you like that verse? The glory... That the Father gave to Jesus, he gives to us. It's ridiculous. That they may be one, even as we are one. It's not glory so we can play glory games. It's so that we can live as one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And it goes on. This sense of oneness with God in his people and his people together. This unity of what it means to be God's people. I'm praying, can we grow into that? Over the, our, some of us are going to take our lifetime, but let's let's commit ourselves to that. I'm asking you that when you're having a, a moment where you think, oh, no, I'm not sure what's, go and ask a question. Go for, don't be part of the community. We're going to work, it's family. We're going to work this out from underneath. We're going to do the work to grow and see us find one another. Through the gnarly moments, through the, iron sharpening iron the shoulders rubbing shoulders as we find community in in what it looks like in God is that all right hebrews ten i won 't read it because we've used a number of times hebrews ten there's the, there's the five let us let you know let us not Give up meeting together. Let us encourage one another, especially as we see the day approaching. Let us hold fast to, the, to the, that which we confess. Let's look at how we can spur one another on. Let's encourage one another, these great let us things of community life around the person of Jesus. So as we close this series off, we're not closing off on community. We're not going to stop talking about community. We're going to launch into a series on the person of Jesus. We start next Sunday. It can be at least 12-part series on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is at the center. And we also don't want to forget. It's easy for us to lower Jesus into community life and forget that he's also the high and lifted one. The pre-existent one. The one that was around before the world began. So we want to remember that as well as we go in. Who is Jesus? What is Jesus? And and talk about that and lead that later into a series on the kingdom of God. What does that look like to see God's rule, God's purposes, God's actions work uh, alive on the earth? Is that all right? Let's pray for a moment. I'm going to hand over to um, Brian. seems so elementary, Lord, to speak on community, but it means so many things and to different people, got all different meanings, and we're trying to learn what it means to be your community. And my prayer is that you would help us by your spirit, that you would teach us by your spirit, that you would grow us by your spirit, that we would find our place in the community by your spirit. That if today there be one thing that we hold against another in community, that we would forgive them. And that we would somehow find a way in Jesus to commit to the, the heartiness and the hardiness of what it means to be the community of Jesus. And Just thank you, Father.